Good morning, Remnant Church. Thank you for tuning in today. We're glad you're here. Today, we're going to have some friends of mine, Phillips and Banks, to come and lead us in worship if we were congregating together. But then when the virus thing came about, I had a discussion with Jacob, and they were able to come in and record a few songs for us today. So they're going to lead us in worship on our online service. And I want you to sit back, grab your Bibles, enjoy the worship time, and get your hearts prepared. And then Josh is going to come and bring us a powerful message from God's Word. God bless each and every one of you. We love you. My heart was aching, my back was breaking From the weight of all my sins that kept me far from Him He knew full well the lonely death I'd heard chose for Himself What I fully deserved, thank God He took the one possession I could claim the cross He carried was no Mount of thy 
my heart, Lord, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Seal it for thy courts above. Just when the sun is shining and the 
Remnant Church, thank you so much for tuning in this morning. We're so excited about what God is doing, and before we start, I just want to say thank you to everyone that has helped in whatever capacity it's taken, from people going to visit each other, making phone calls, sending in devotions, uh, ministering in whatever way possible, whether it's to kids, to students, to adults, to senior adults. I just want to say thank you across the board. This is a strange time. This isn't a time many of us were ready for, nor a time many of us asked for. But I believe that we as a church have been faithful and ministered in spite of this. And I believe God is going to bless that. And as was in thinking about this, that I'm sure all of you got the news. You know, we've been in this mode of quarantine, and now we're hearing suddenly that this quarantine is going to be lifted. And inevitably, and I'm sure you've had these conversations, you start to think about what's life going to be like post-COVID? What is this new normal, you know, that we're going to be a part of. And it, it opens up a lot of questions. You know, will we have to wear face masks from here on? Will I ever get to feel my feet stick to the floor in a movie theater? I don't know. How will the economy rebound from this? What happens if COVID just gets worse? What happens if it just disappears entirely? We have all of these questions, so much uncertainty. And I think it's important for us to remember in this time that we were told that this is how it would be. You know, there's a verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18, uh, and this is, this is what it says. It says, For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. That word transient, it literally means temporary, only for a season. And what I've been blown away by is seeing all these people talking about how they're ready to get back to what it was, what it was like before, to get back to what it was used to to have stability, to have uh, just a normalcy that, that they had before that they haven't had now. And when you read this verse, this verse tells us that what we can see is only temporary. This normal that we're begging to go back to is something we were promised would not last forever. This, this idea that this world is going to become stable. In fact, it's completely anti-biblical because we know from Romans chapter 8 that in fact this world will continue to become more and more unstable. You know, I was uh, reading and studying for this and I'll give you guys a little insight. When I'm studying for a message, it's really weird. It's like these verses are just swirling in the air up above me and, and I, don't, I can't always see like how they fit together just yet, you know, and um, anyone who's seen me kind of prepping for a sermon, you know, sometimes I'm staring blankly at a laptop or, you know, a piece of paper holding a pencil thinking, what do I do with all this? And it's just not working. And I read this verse and it wasn't until that I was actually getting down to the nuts and bolts of this sermon that this verse suddenly popped out to me. You've probably read it before. It's in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 talks about how there's a time for everything, right? And everything has a season. And in verse 5, this is what it says, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. Well, that's pretty prophetic if you ask me. I mean, uh, that was written thousands of years ago by who we think to be Solomon and wrote about how there would be a season where there would be a time to embrace and then a time to refrain from it meaning that it was possible to still embrace, but that you shouldn't do it. 
And, I, and, and the whole book, just the, the book of Ecclesiastes, it's pretty negative, so you've got to be careful when you read it, but it literally talks about how there's nothing new under the sun, which is an encouragement to us that this season of refraining from embracing will go away. The only thing we don't get is how long that season lasts. We live here in East Tennessee. You know seasons can last for months and they can last for days. You never know how long it's going to be. Uh, sometimes it, it's cold forever and then sometimes it's only cold for a day and then sometimes it snows for two weeks and you never know what's going to happen. We don't have that assurity of, oh, this is only going to be for this amount of time. And so what do we do? What do we hold on to? What, what is this? Uh, these eternal unseen things that it talks about in Second Corinthians chapter 4 that, that we can hold on to, that aren't temporary, that are going to continue no matter what. I believe there's a passage in Hebrews that speaks to this. And I'll just tell you, I love Hebrews. We're not sure who wrote it. Some people have some ideas. But it's like this legal, scientific book that just breaks down to the very core and, and relays the message that Jesus truly is our Lord and Savior. And, and the way it breaks it down is just magnificent. But there's this passage there where I really believe it opens up into some of these eternal things that we can hold on to and know even if this world is unsteady and always changing and transient, that these things are not, that these things are eternal, that they will last forever. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to be in verses 22 through 25. And I, I, when I was reading this, and you're going to recognize some of these verses, but I want to pull some things out for you here. Now, I want to give you some context. Hebrews was written, they think, to uh, Christians living in Jerusalem. They were beginning to undergo persecution. Now, I'll just tell you, we're not at that level yet. We haven't experienced persecution like they were. But the truths that, that they were told are truths that we can hold on to as well, uh, just in a slightly different capacity. And so it talks about um, all these different things, and we're just going to read through these verses together. So uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22 says, Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. So when we talk about what are these things we can hold on to, what are these things that we can do to remind ourselves of what's eternal, not of what's transient? The first thing we can do is draw near. And when you read this passage, it, it talks about that we do this with a full assurance of faith. Everything that we believe in that's written in this book, everything about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, everything is encapsulated in this big idea of faith, which Hebrews talks about a lot. But our approach unto how we have that full assurance is listed right after there. It speaks of a clean heart covered by Jesus' blood. If you're saved today, if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have that clean heart. Now, you may not feel like that right now because you've been in sin. But because of Jesus' blood, that sin has been forgiven. And all you have to do is confess it. It also speaks of a clear conscience. And see, when we have a clear conscience, our thoughts aren't of evil, but they're of good. Maybe your thoughts are of evil, and you think, well, they're not exactly evil. I just, I don't always uh, say the, the, the nicest things in my head, or, or I'm always quick to just start to get really angry or something like that. Think about what you're pouring into yourself. Have you been pouring in the good things of God's Word? 
or has it been the things of this world? If you want that clear conscience, it's pretty easy. You dig more into this than you dig into Netflix or anything else. And then uh, lastly, it talks about having our bodies washed with pure water. This idea of, of being baptized. Now remember, baptism doesn't save you, but it's a sign to the world. It's you consecrating yourself to say, I am set apart for the Lord. I'm here to do his bidding and here to live on this world for him. And so to have that full assurance of faith, we have to have those three things. A clean heart, a clear conscience, and a consecrated body. You say, Josh, I've never been baptized before. Well, we need to talk because you need to be baptized. You need to make that declaration to the people around you, to your church, to the world, that I have made this decision to follow Christ. I'm ready to follow him with my life. That's so important because Jesus tells us not to be ashamed of him on this world. And the best way to do that is through public baptism. Well, why do you think they baptized in rivers and things like that? Why do you think big crowds gathered? It was to, to see these people making a commitment to follow the Lord. But see, there's something else we can do. We can hold fast. And if you read uh, verse 23 in Hebrews chapter 10, it says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. No matter how our new normal is going to be, no matter what uncertainties we'll be faced with, it is our job to hold fast, to hold fast and to be unwavering. And when we hold fast, you know, we see Christians trying to do this today. They try and do it every day. They boldly face those evil hordes of, of sin and Satan and self, and they charge the gates of hell every day by living out their life as a Christian and sharing their faith and loving on brothers and sisters in Christ and doing things that glorify God. And they, they do all of this, and they, and they know that if they're strong enough, it'll be okay, and therein lies the biggest problem. It's great that you do all of that, but if you rely on your own strength, you won't be able to hold fast. This idea of holding fast means to never let go. Well, how can we do that? Because you know and I know and we all know that no matter how hard and how on fire we are for the Lord, at some point that flame begins to flicker. At some point our grip begins to let go. You see what this verse says is to do these things, to hold fast because he who promised is faithful. What it's implying there is that the strength to do this holding fast is not from ourselves, but from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He was the one who had the strength to face it all and never wavered. And because he did, we can now ask him to use that strength through us so that we can do what we're called to do. You know, when I was studying for this, uh, the Lord just kept pounding Josiah in my head. And I kept thinking, Josiah, like... What do you mean, Josiah? How am I going to make that fit in? And if you haven't read about Josiah, 2 Kings chapters 21 and 22 covers his life. He was put on the throne as an eight-year-old boy. And it's crazy the way that happened. You see, his father was very evil. And ruling the split kingdom of Israel, he ruled Judah. Um, he began to, to worship idols and things. And, and when the people got tired of his father, they, they killed him to take away his rule. Well, then the people that killed him got killed by other people because they didn't like that they had killed the king. And so then they killed him. And in the midst of all of this, his eight-year-old son gets put on the throne. Eight years old. I mean, what in the world? How does that happen? 
you've got to imagine what place Josiah must have been. But when you read this story, you, you begin to see that this young boy that's, that's been thrown into a situation that he never asked for, that probably he felt way too inadequate to be in, decides it's time to return back to the Lord and they're rebuilding the temple and he speaks to Hilkiah, his high priest. He says, go to the, go to the temple, get whatever money is in there, give it to the craftsmen that are working. I don't need to know how the money's being spent because I know we're doing this for the Lord. He had so much faith. He was holding fast so much to who God was that, that he didn't care how the money was spent just as long as it rebuilt the temple. And so while Hilkiah is getting this money, amazingly, he uncovers this book, the book of the law of the Lord, probably the first five books of the Bible, probably uh, what covered um, how they should uh, do different uh, feasts and different things like that. And, and, and through, the, through the grapevine, they let the king know, hey, we found something, and we think you need to hear it. And they begin to read from this book of the law of the Lord, and it begins to tell them about how... Um, Judgment is going to come upon Judah because they haven't been following the Lord the way they should. And Josiah just becomes just just upset. And so then uh, a prophetess that they go and speak to says, because of Josiah's heart, and I'm paraphrasing here, of course, please read this for yourself, but because of Josiah's heart, God would stay that judgment while Josiah reigned. And Josiah just developed this this unwavering hope in, in, the, in the Lord who is faithful, who has kept all of his promises, and, and to the point that he began to destroy every idol that all of his ancestors and previous kings had put up. It even speaks of him destroying the, the idols that Solomon himself had built. It talks about him grounding them into powder, just wiping them out completely. And for all that Josiah did, he died before he should have. You see, I don't know what happened at this point in Josiah's life, but he was, he was so bent on proving himself that we learned in 2 Chronicles he actually disguised himself to go and fight uh, Pharaoh Necho. And this Pharaoh was speaking to Josiah the words of God. That's what it actually says. And basically saying, Josiah, I'm not here to fight you. I just need to go through. I'm going to fight somebody else. But Josiah felt like he needed to fight him. And Josiah lost his life at a very young age. You see, he relied on his own strength. He relied on his, his own ability to prove himself. And in doing so, it was his undoing. And for us, how many times have we thought we were going to do these things for God and, and we go out and we do them and we're trying to rely on what we have and what we know and what we can do and it's never enough and we get bogged down and in a rut and brokenhearted because it doesn't work out. See, we have to hold fast. But the one who's asking us to hold fast has already done all the heavy lifting. All we have to do is just put our faith in the one who has never let us down, who has promised himself that he would be faithful. What a powerful, powerful thing for us to do. The third thing we have to do is we have to stir up. And if you look at uh, verse 24, it says, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and to good works, not neglecting to meet together as is, as is the habit of some. See, we have to stir ourselves up to good work, and we have to 
continue to meet together when possible. You see, when we're, we're holding on to these eternal things, we have to remember that eternity isn't going to be spent by ourselves. Eternity is going to be spent with each other. So we've got to get to work on what that's like for us now and, and working together and stirring each other up to good works. And, and what are things like that? You know, that's helping your neighbors. That's sharing the gospel. That's doing things outside of your comfort zone for the Lord. That's building his kingdom. You know, I was mowing this week and the Lord just hit me with this thought. What if that day back in March, I believe it was around the 13th. What if that day was the last day you ever got to share your faith with somebody else? Where does that put you? Think about that for a moment. You see, I truly believe on the other side of whatever this quarantine is, is a harvest waiting for the church to just step up and begin to reap what has been sown by God. I believe that this harvest is ready. I believe that, that people are, are filled with an idea of, of fear and hopelessness for many things, not just the virus, with their livelihoods and everything, and they're looking for what can fill them with hope. And, and the church is standing at the ready. I don't know how you've spent this last month or so. Have you spent it in preparation? Or have you spent it just sitting idly by? I believe God is ready to do something. You see, the next time we get to a point where we can't assemble together won't be simply because out of everyone's safety. You see, I believe the next time we get to a point like this where churches are empty is because of persecution. You see, we have to remember something. As we get closer to the end of days, as the world becomes more unstable, it does not get easier for us. We have to be ready because, truthfully, we don't want anyone to have to go through what we read about in Revelation. And if you're a true Christian, you'll agree with me on that. We don't want anyone to have to go through those things. We ourselves don't want to go through those things. You see, in 2 Peter 3, 9, it says, The Lord is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And God, in His infinite wisdom, saw fit to give us the chance to be a part of sharing the gospel with as many people as possible. This morning, I want to stir your heart up to good works. Not works that make you seem bigger. Not works that make you seem better. But works that show that God is the ultimate loving Lord who sent His Son to die on the cross for us. If that day in March was the last time you got to share the gospel, what would it look like? Who are the people you know in your heart right now you missed? Maybe when we get back to some semblance of normal, those are the people you go and talk to first. But we're not done yet. You see, there's one last thing that we have to do to hold on to what's eternal here. 
And it's at the end of verse 25. It says, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. You see, like I said, this, this world is just going to get more and more unstable. And therefore, we have to encourage each other as brothers and sisters in Christ to keep fighting, to keep striving, to keep pushing. As it says in Hebrews, we, we have received a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And because that ultimate reception of that kingdom will come when the new heaven and the new earth come, until then we will continue to fight to add people to it so that they will begin to add people to it so that when we get to heaven, it's standing room only. When we see that kingdom come to fruition, it's standing room only. And we can all stand together and bask in the glory and the light of the one who died for us all. That day is coming. And as that day gets closer, it will become tougher. It will become harder. But we must hold fast. Hold fast. We must hold on to that anchor that we have. And that anchor is Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter 6, 19 says, We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as our forerunner on our behalf. Because Jesus has done that, because we have this sure and steadfast anchor, because Jesus is the ultimate sacrifice, the unwavering hope that will stand through eternity no matter what world we live in, no matter how it happens on this earth, no matter how transient things become, no matter how quickly the seasons begin to change, Jesus Christ is always there because He's our anchor. I don't know where you're at today. If you're lost and you need that anchor, you need that hope, that hope is simply in the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who died for you. And if you're a Christian today, it means you don't have to worry. It means you don't have to be concerned with what might be. All you have to be concerned with is how to add people to what we're all going to get to experience one day. All you have to do is to draw near, to hold fast, to stir up, to encourage Because those are the things that remind us of what's eternal. Those are the things that remind us of what's sure and steadfast. Those are the things that remind us who our anchor truly is. If you want to make a decision today, either to follow Christ or you need prayer, whatever it might be, please text this number, 423-732-9682. Reach out. We would love to speak with you. We would love to show you and help you to let you see what it means to live for Christ for the rest of your life. I don't know if you're lost. I don't know if you're saved. I don't know what your concern is. But if you're lost, you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be fearful because our Lord tells us do not fear. He's always in control. And if you're saved today, you don't have to worry. Don't be concerned. This world was meant to be temporary. This world was never meant to be our home. This world is just a way station. Because eternity compared to this is much more greater and far more majestic than anything we could ever describe with the words in our language. Thank you for tuning in today. Let's pray. God, I ask whoever might be listening to this sermon this morning, God, that you would speak to their heart.
Lord, if they're lost today, that you would give them the courage, Lord, to just reach up to you, God, and say, I want to follow you with my life. God, you would give them the courage to talk to someone on the phone or to speak with someone to the left or to the right, and that they would ask them, hey, I want to follow Jesus. How do I do that? God, if there are Christians listening to this, God, that have concerns, that have worries, that have fears, remind them, God, of what's eternal. Remind them of who you are. Remind them of the anchor that they have. And God, remind them that you're with them no matter what. Lord, because you have promised us you would be faithful and you cannot lie. And we hold on to that truth and we believe that today. Thank you, God, for what you're doing in the life of our church. Thank you, God, for those that are doing what they can to minister in these uncertain times. God, I pray you would bless them. And Lord, for those that have been kind of waiting and holding back and not sure what to do, God, I pray you would begin to fill them with thoughts and ideas and a burning passion to see people come to know you. Lord, lay in our hearts now who we need to share our faith with, God, when we're able to again. Face to face, Lord. And may we never forget the power of what it means to speak your gospel. Thank you, God, for who you are in Jesus' name.